incoming transmission. Radio Rebellion. Welcome to the debut episode of Radio Rebellion, a Star Wars podcast. I am your host, Alberto Calderon. I am glad you can join me in this new adventure, this new endeavor I'm trying out. I'm very excited, excited to be talking Star Wars with you guys, but I'll be honest, a bit nervous. First time I've done something like this, I'm like, <laughs> like Anakin and Padme on Attack of the Clones going on their first mission together back to Naboo. They had our two with them to help them out. I don't, but I have you guys, my foundlings, as the Mandalorian would say. So again, glad to have you here and happy to talk Star Wars with you guys. So again, a bit nervous, so I'm still trying to figure out the setup of everything. And right now, I don't have an office for this. I'm in my bedroom closet, with a few boxes holding up the microphone. There's kids running around, dogs barking, all that fun stuff you would expect on your first podcast. But sooner or later, we'll find a sweet spot. We'll find what works, what doesn't, and we'll go from there. Like I mentioned, being this the first time that I'm doing a podcast, I do have kind of a little script for a few things I want to go through. I just didn't want to make sure I didn't forget to talk about them. So if it seems like I'm reading from a script, then yeah, some things are written down. Again, excuse me if I'm talking a bit too fast or too slow, if the microphone isn't loud enough. Again, we'll, we'll figure out. Don't worry about it. So why a podcast? Another Star Wars, Star Wars podcast, right? There's hundreds, thousands of them. There's a lot of great Star Wars podcasts out there, YouTube personalities that I follow, um, Jedi Council, before unfortunately got cancelled by Collider, Star Wars Explained with Molly and Alex, Steel Wars, Christian Harloff still talking about it, Hello Greedo, all those great podcasts out there, but my go-to podcast always, every week, Force Center with Joseph Scrimshaw, Jennifer Landa, Ken Knapsack, if you're looking for an in-depth, deep dive in everything Star Wars, you can't go wrong with those guys. And that's what I want this to become. I'm taking the lead from them, kind of what I want this podcast to become. So they've been a good inspiration for me to do this. So Radio Rebellion, like I mentioned, I want this to be a fun space for every everyone and anyone that considers themselves a Star Wars fan. There's no gatekeeping on everything here if you consume every star wars media if you only watch the movies only like the original trilogy you like everything don't like the sequel don't like the prequels enjoy them love solo like i do everyone's welcome everyone's here to be positive about this and just feel welcome in this great community that is star wars so yeah back to that original question why a podcast like i said i listen to a lot of people I admire in this space talking about Star Wars and I always want to jump in on those conversations kind of no no this is how I see that or this is the way that it impacted me no this is why you gotta give Solo another chance because it is a great movie so I said yeah why not I already talk Star Wars to myself in my head all day so let me just put a microphone in front of me and start talking what could go wrong we'll find out right all right so a little bit about me I'm sure you're asking so I've always considered myself a Star Wars fan and I'll say this is the way I remember things and as a three-year-old I'm pretty sure this is correct. So I remember 1983, first movie I ever saw in the theaters, my parents took me, Return of the Jedi, and the only reason I do remember that is sitting in my mother's lap crying when Jabba the Hutt showed up. So you can imagine a three-year-old seeing that slimy hut come on the screen trying to kill Han Solo and all those guys so it impacted me but 
I'm not gonna lie, I'm not gonna say that I've always followed Star Wars closely since that day on from three years old. I've been the, the more, most hardcore Star Wars fan. There was kind of a law in between, there was really nothing new coming on. We did have the VHS copies at my parents' place, kids, VHS, look it up, VCR, you'll find out. Uh, so we do, we kind of went through them, always watching them, so that kind of interest was always there, but early 90s, mid 90s, it was all Star Trek, Next Generation, Deep Space Nine with my brother, especially Ricardo, kind of hooked me into it, we watched all of those episodes. And then it came. 1997, the re-release of the original trilogy in theaters. That's probably the first time I saw A New Hope and Empire Strike Back on the big screen and that, that was it. It hooked me again, I've never let go. Uh, there was always uh, also the change from Return of the Jedi being my favorite to now being 17 years, kind of falling out of love with the Ewoks as a lot of people did back then. And then Empire Strike Back just hooked me all. The whole movie, the way it flowed, the messages on it, it just grabbed me and never let go. Still, it's my favorite movie of all of them. I do kind of bounce around, which kind of follows. But yeah, seeing them again in the big screen back in 97 when they were re released, even if it was the special editions, it didn't matter. It just kind of became part of my life and it still is. So you might be wondering what to expect from Radio Rebellion. So I'm still, again, figuring it out. I think we'll have a structured format, maybe. We'll see. It all depends on how the news are going, breaking news, new stories that come up, reviews and stuff that we're going to be doing. So we'll see. But the idea is to release weekly episodes. Uh, probably going to record them over the weekend, then work on them a little bit and release them early in the week, Monday or Tuesday. And we'll see how it goes. Never done this. So if it's easy, then maybe on the same weekend we can release them. If it's taking a little bit longer, maybe a few extra days. But once I get the flow, with, flow of it, it will be on a, on a scheduled basis. It will always come out on the same day. And for that, always follow us on Twitter, Radio Rebellion Pod, so you know when new episodes are dropping. Also, if you want to send me a question or any topics you want me to cover, just hashtag Ask the Rebellion. I'll do my best to answer those questions. And again, anything you want me to talk about, just go through there. Uh, we're going to also be talking about news or the new new news that come out throughout the week. So, so a lot of great Star Wars website that do a lot of aggregating news. My go-to is Star Wars News Net. Like I mentioned, they grab all the news from around the web, they break their own news, they do reviews and stuff like that. It's a great group of guys over there and girls. Um, there's the one trying to make Solo 2 happen, which I 100% support. After we go through the news, we'll do reviews, either movie reviews, TV reviews from live animated, I mean, sorry, live TV shows, animated shows, Rebel season seven when it comes out in a couple of weeks mandalorian season two star wars resistance which is wrapping up we'll do some quick reviews also books maybe i do read a few star wars books from new canon so anyone any that i pick up i'll do a review at the end if you want me to review any old movies old tv shows old books let me know if i haven't we'll go ahead and review them that segment is basic, basically gonna be called rewind 
And the first thing we're gonna be doing in the next coming week is a rewind of Mandalorian season one. Kind of break down each episode individually and then the season as a whole. Um, we'll have a main topic to discuss in the middle of the episodes. And again, if you have any questions, just send them my way. Hashtag Ask the Rebellion on Twitter. And we'll, we'll try to answer them. All right, so I didn't know how this first episode was going to go. There wasn't really a lot of news breaking this past couple of weeks. Um, episode 9, The Rise of Skywalker had come out about a month ago. So that kind of died down. Mandalorian Season 1 had just ended. So there was really nothing new kind of happening. And then there was a lot of things that dropped earlier in the week. So we'll try to touch upon those. But first, let's do a quick review of the last, I'm going to say, five episodes of Star Wars Resistance. They've been getting better. This is season two, which is the last season. If you saw season one, it went all the way to Force Awakens. You can see Hossian Prime, the Hossian Prime Cataclysm with Starkiller Base destroying all five planets. It kind of went a little bit past that and ended with them trying to reach the car, but they got kind of hyperspace through them some other way. So this season is picking up right as The Last Jedi is going on and hopefully finishing up uh, close to Rise of Skywalker. So the like I mentioned, this last season or this season right now, it's been, I prefer the first one a little bit more, but it's still getting there. It hasn't been too bad. The last few episodes have been picking up, not so, not a lot of fluff, but it's no surprise. This this show is more it's mostly focused for a younger audience, which is not a bad thing. There is a little bit of Star Wars for everyone. If you want a lot of deep dive, go to the books and comics. You just want the movies, go to the movies. If you have younger kids, Resistance is a great way to get them into it. My kids, nine and six, they watch it with me sometimes. But there's also some good themes going on around them. So these last five episodes, uh, they started with a two-episode arc, The Missing Agent and Breakout, which had a bounty hunter named Axe Tagrin. Tagrin? It's funny, his weapon was an axe, and an axe is his name, so make that what you will. So he's chasing down resistance spies for the First Order. There's a spy, Norath, working with the resistance that sends a distress signal, which is picked up by the Colossus. And then Cash, Yeager, and Sinara go to check it out. And they go into a fight with this bounty hunter. They were caught at first, Sinara at least. Um, but yeah, they found a way to escape it. Then it, this was followed by the mutiny. was the other episode that had the pirate gang Warbird led by Kragan. They're trying to take over the Colossus, no surprise. The fun thing about this episode is they got some B2 Super Battle Droids, which we saw during the Clone Wars and also in The Mandalorian. But they were provided by the Crimson Corsair himself, Sidon Ethano, which we saw during The Force Awakens in Mascanada's castle. This is the guy with the red armor that Finn is trying to get a ride with them out of that place. So he shows up for about two minutes, so it's not that big. It's cool seeing people from the movies and in, in those TV shows. We also get a B1 droid that it's repurposed by Niku, and he actually is the one that kind of takes command of the B2 droids and kind of helps save the place. The last two episodes were the New World and No Place Safe. 
which were okay but had a nice connection to the first order and the resistance. Cass was trying to rejoin the resistance after a few couple of episodes being with Norath. He sends him a message that they're gonna meet at Batu, which we all know is the planet at Galaxy's Edge. But as always, it doesn't go as, as planned. The first order finds them. There's a big battle between them and the native of the planet, which had battled the first order before. I believe the resistance used that base for a little bit. But yeah, it was a pretty good episode. And then next week which depending on when you're listening to this first episode might have already come out is called Rebuilding the Resistance which is gonna be cool they're going to Dantooine which we know is the planet that Leia mentioned in A New Hope when Tarkin cannot ask where the rebel base is so yeah that's a quick look at the last couple of episodes from Star Wars Resistance so now we're going to the news section which I'm calling the Mid-Rim Report why not news from the core? Because I like Mid-Rim better. It's my show, so right now this is called the Mid-Rim Report. And again, thanks to StarWarsNews.com for a lot of their news over there, their articles, which is where I got a bunch of this, and also MakingStarWars.com. If you if you don't mind spoilers, that's the place to be. Jason Wards, I don't know who he knows. He might be George Lucas himself. He's, they're always breaking great news and have great articles also. So first up, um, episode 9, The Rise of Skywalker, reached $1 billion at the box office, surprising no one. So it only took them 28 days to reach this milestone of all the Star Wars movies. The only one that didn't reach at least a billion was Solo, which we all know was a disappointment in that regard. But when you see that this movie reached $1 billion and you still have people saying, oh, Star Wars is dead, it divided the fandom since The Last Jedi, no one cares about Star Wars, it's dead, it's dead. I don't want to hear that. So I don't, doesn't matter. Everyone can have their opinion of each movie. If you didn't even like The Last Jedi, you didn't like Rise of Skywalker, if you loved them, that's fine. Have your opinion. We're all going to support that. I want everyone to have their own opinions. Just don't try to force those on other on others. If I love it, I'm not. I'm tell you why. You tell me why you didn't like it, and that's it. We'll keep going. We'll find something that both of us like. But when something like this reaches a billion, it's hard to say that Star Wars is dead. That Disney doesn't know what they're doing because it's making money. Following this up, we last week also the nominations for the Academy Awards came out, and the Star Wars Episode Nine received three nominations. One for score, John Williams also being the most nominated person through for the Academy Awards. I believe he has won five. Uh, visual effects and also sound editing were nominated. Um, so the score for episode nine wasn't my favorite. I gotta listen to it a little bit more. Um, so we'll see. Maybe he we get lucky and we get a, uh, an Oscar with that one. Visual effects, that's always going to be there. There's effects in Star Wars. There's nothing to really complain about. They're always great, but I don't think they get kind of a lot of attention from the voters. And sound editing, that's always pretty cool. Sound editing and sound mixing, hard to tell which is which if you're not in the industry, which I'm not. So I do get them confused, but usually before the Academy Awards, they do like a little breakdown video of sound editing and all that. And it's always cool to see them. So I 
forgot to mention before talking about rewinds and doing a, a review of the Mandalorian I will also be doing a review of the Rise of Skywalker when it comes out on digital and blue or blu-ray and that's our next news it's not confirmed but most likely is that the digital release is gonna be March 31st and then the DVD and blu-ray will be two weeks later on April 14th this kind of tracks with the releases of Last Jedi Force Awakens kind of early to mid-April so not confirmed but I do expect them to be released around that time we also got a few special editions with exclusive covers depending on the retailer that you buy them Best Buy is gonna have a steel book which are always popular this goes out for $34.99 and then Target has a 4k version with filmmaker gallery book and exclusive bonus content also for $34.99 honestly I rarely buy the special editions depending on where you buy them they might have one or two extra deleted scenes or things like that recently I've gone to mostly digital so as soon as they come out on digital get them that way they'll have the same special editions and all that stuff you just don't get the collectibles well that's fine at least for me that's fine if you are interested in having every little nugget then you might want to wait till the DVDs come out and then Best Buy Target right now have those special editions coming I'm sure Walmart and some others will also have their own versions and if not you can always wait a couple of extra months and wait for Disney Plus and just watch it there uh, no idea when it will come out on Disney Plus my best guess is gonna be maybe late summer early fall around when the Mandalorian season 2 comes out they're gonna take their time they want to make sure they get some money from the blu-rays dvds digital downloads so they'll do that for a few months and then we'll be able to get it on disney plus so if you like art and you like the books and you want to know a little behind the scene of the making of the movies so the next art of book the rise of skywalker will be released on march 31st which again coincides with the possible release of the digital movie that might be released on March 31st the other art of books for Last Jedi and Force Awakens have been great they offer great detail on the production of the movies so with all the back and forth between changing directors supposedly the original vision that JJ had to what was released you'll see a lot of these versions in the art of books kind of goes through how they started the production pre-production a lot of these concept arts are made or drawn before the script comes out so it's very cool to see how a movie gets made especially a movie of this type so yeah look out for that March 31st which is not too far away two months basically uh, next news item a quick update on the Ryan Johnson Star Wars movie saga I guess not saga of movie just a saga if he's gonna do another one or not uh, Vari Variety did an interview with about Knives Out which had just been nominated for an Oscar for original screenplay and Ryan Johnson went on to say that they're still talking to Lucasfilm but they haven't announced anything on their slate yet which is fine let them take their time do you want to see another Ryan, Ryan Johnson Star Wars movie? After Last Jedi a lot of people weren't kind of on board. I don't mind it, especially if it's something completely different, a uh, place we haven't seen before, another 
part of the galaxy, completely new characters that he can bring his flavor into it. Again, he just got nominated for original screenplay. So if he's allowed to do what he can do and does great, then I think we're in for a very cool and very different Star Wars movie. So keep an eye on that. So something that broke late this week, I think it was about yesterday maybe as I'm recording this, is according to the Hollywood Reporter, Taika Watiri has been approached to develop a Star Wars movie. So Taika also, same as Ryan Johnson, was nominated for an Academy Award for Jojo Rabbit. And he's coming off a strong Star Wars debut, handling the finale of The Mandalorian, which was a great episode. Everyone's going to agree with that. Apart from also voicing the great droid IG-11. So yeah, I think this is a no-brainer. No surprise that people working on The Mandalorian are getting more meetings, I guess, with Lucasfilm. We have Deborah Chow doing the directing every episode of... Obi-Wan, the Obi-Wan series when it comes out. Uh, Favreau, we know he's kind of in talks for joining a little bit more with Star Wars. Uh, so yeah, Taika Waititi will be a great addition to Star Wars movie, but he's a bit busy. After this, he's doing post-production on his next movie, movie, which is called Next Goal Wins. And then starting production on Thor Love and Thunder, which we know is going to be a big deal but he's already in the Disney family so it wouldn't surprise me if after that he goes to do a Star Wars movie would it be part of these High Republic sagas that they're talking about that we'll talk probably next week or it will be something totally different so we'll find out so now going to a sub segment of the mid ring report which I like to call oh, Tales from the Unknown Regions Alright, so these are news that are not confirmed, can be rumors, unconfirmed rumors, just news that's too whacked out of there to be really serious, but we're going to touch on them anyways. So the first one, we've heard before that for the, oh, excuse me, just stretching my back a little, sitting in one of my kids' chairs, not the best, that Georgia Binks might be showing up in the Kenobi series. This uh, was reported by MakingStarWars.com a while back. It's a bearded Georgia to go with bearded Obi-Wan. Um, I don't mind it too much. If it does, it'll be maybe one episode and we'll see. Does Obi-Wan go to Naboo? Does Georgia go back to Tatooine? Do they meet up somewhere else? Is this Obi-Wan, excuse me, feeling bad of, about the way he treated Jar Jar, but anything that gets Ahmed Best back into the Star Wars world, I know he has his new show coming Disney Plus soon, but yeah, a little bit of Jar Jar here, I think will be fine. It won't be the jokey jokey he was doing the prequels. I think they've learned about this, so a little bit should be okay. But following with following up with that story, this comes from WeGotDiscovered.com, which reports that also Mace Windu along with other prequel characters like Georgia Binks, Anakin, or Darth Maul may appear in Obi-Wan. Apart from Georgia, all these other Mace, Maul, Anakin, if they show up, they're going to be flashbacks. There's no way that any of those are alive at this moment. 
Darth Maul, if you follow Rebels animated series, you know he's dead at this point, even though he has died before. And as we saw in The Rise of Skywalker, no one is really dead. But I doubt that they'll bring him back. Maybe a flashback to that scene. Anakin and Obi-Wan might be nice just to see how their friendship kind of going. So same with Mace. We'll see. So again, this is kind of out there, not confirmed. So I'm not, not putting too much on it, not betting too much. So here we go. The big news that broke this week, which like I mentioned before, I didn't know how long this episode was going to be, what I really was going to be talking about, but big news drop. And uh, I have it here in the unknown region section of the news because it's still rumors. It's not been confirmed by Lucasfilms, Disney or any of the directors I'm going to mention in a minute. But it's been picked up by a lot of news outlets kind of confirming it. So I'm going to say it's true. Just keep it in the rumor section for now. So here we go. So Colin Trevorrow's Episode 9 script leaks. So the first draft or the first script that Colin Trevorrow and his writing team wrote was picked up by writer, director, producer Robert Meyer Burnett on his YouTube channel. He did a great breakdown. It's an over two hour read through of the whole script i didn't watch all of it because it's two hours i couldn't get through it but sorry not that i didn't couldn't get through it it wasn't good i just didn't have the time to kind of spend two hours watching it but like i mentioned a lot of outlets picked this up and they made a great breakdown i have my own breakdown from the first one that i saw but if again if you go to starwarsnews.net sorry starwarsnewsnet.com I'm making starwars.com they both did a great breakdown of it. it goes very into detail about each section of it all the plot points how it uh, how it's the same how it's different from the rise of skywalker so yeah after this if you want bring that up go through it. it's a lot of cool information so a quick background on this trovaro was hired i believe around 2015 and kind of announced as the director of episode 9 back then and then he left the project or was fired in September of 2017 so two years ago a little bit over two years before the movie came out and then it comes to all the rumors either creative differences Lucasfilm wasn't happy with the pitch <clears throat> sorry Lucasfilm was happy with the original pitch for the movie but we're unhappy with the draft, especially the last draft, which we'll also get into at the end of this. And also, unfortunately, the Cody Fisher tragedy, kind of what happened with her as production of this movie was starting, kind of put a, a real wrench into it. Unfortunately, I don't think they, they could kind of recover from that creatively, and that caused a lot of issues. Also, it was what some people call too inside baseball, going too much into comics and TV shows and Rebels, um, Clone Wars, and things that not the casual Star Wars fans would know. And they kind of decided not to go that way and then brought JJ back. So there's a lot of different rumors out there, but let's go through this real quick. So the title, let's start with that, Duel of the Fates. That brings back some great memories for that between the battle between Darth Maul, Obi-Wan, and Qui-Gon. 
So um, what I'm going to do, I'm going to go through some of these points. I'm not going to do what a lot of the outlets that grab this are doing, which is quickly saying how this is better than Rise of Skywalker, that we should have gotten this movie. What's written down from script to bring to the screen is two different things. So it might read great, but trying to develop it, it didn't. So I'm just going to go through it. I'll say the things that I liked about this script, the things that I didn't like, but I'm not going to be comparing one with the other. So, yeah, Duel of the Fates, it's a great title. I do this, the only thing I will compare, I do like it better than The Rise of Skywalker, which is kind of, bleh, okay, it's there. So Duel of the Fates can works in a lot of different ways. First, you listen, you hear that, that title, it takes you right back to the prequels and one of the best parts, if not the best part of the whole prequels. Also, Duel of Fates, talking about the light, the dark, Kylo still feeling the pull of the light while trying to go to the dark. Rey on the other side trying to no go too dark. We see that she gets angry easily, can get angry and still fighting that her place in the force, I guess. Also the resistance versus the first order. So there's a lot that you can play with with this title. So yeah, we got a hand on the crawl. I'm going to read it as it came out. It says... The iron grip of the First Order has spread to the farthest reaches of the galaxy. Only a few scattered planets remain unoccupied. Traitorous acts are punishable by death. Determined to suffocate a growing unrest, Supreme Leader Kylo Ren has silenced all communications between neighboring systems. Led by General Leia Organa, the Resistance has planned a secret mission to prevent their annihilation and forge a path to freedom. Good crawl kind of brings you right to the how the galaxy is kind of surviving at this point. The first order has taken control of everything. Resistance is just struggling, trying to find somehow to survive and get the voice out that they need help. The spark that they talked about at the end of last year, Jedi trying to get that out there. So it's a pretty good crawl, kind of gives you the sense of it. And you can say that a lot of this translates to the rise of Skywalker and how the galaxy is dealing with things so yeah it's a good way to start the movie so there's a lot of story bits broken down by Robert Meyer Burnett um, so I'm gonna just read a few of them then we'll analyze read a few more and keep going because if not we'll be here all day and I'm sure sooner or later you'll get tired of my beautiful voice so the biggest difference, or not the, the first difference, is there's not a lot of Emperor, Emperor Palpatine in this script, and this movie. Uh, basically, it's a hologram that speaks to Vader in one scene, and that's it. He doesn't come back, he's not alive, he's not a robot hanging from a claw machine, as we see in Rise of Skywalker, which, again, I don't mind. But yeah, that's a big change, and kind of changes the rest of the story going forward. It's a big emphasis on Kylo Ren, Rey, the First Sword, and the Resistance. Kylo finds a Sith Holocron, not a Sith Wayfinder, in Vader's castle that leads him to Tor Valum, supposedly Palpatine's Sith teacher, in Remnicor, which is a new planet, and Kylo Ren is haunted by Luke's ghost. So let's break this down first. So like I mentioned, no Emperor Purple, Palpatine, no Sidious, so let's get that out of the way. Big emphasis on Kylo and the rest of the gang, that's obvious. So here we go. So Kylo finds a holocron, not a wayfinder, which that is pretty cool. We all know what a Sith holocron is and what they, 
have inside. So that was been pretty cool to see. We see Vader's castle on Mustafar, which we know Mustafar is in the Rise of Skywalker, but it have been a little bit more prevalent in this version. Torvalum, not Plagius, Plagius as Palpatine's teacher. That's a big difference from established canon going all the way to episode three. Darth Plagueis the Wise, so I don't know how that would have worked. There is a line that supposedly when Kylo mentions, mentions to Torvalum Plagueis, he replies by saying that name means nothing to me. So I don't know if they would have explored that a little bit more. And then Kylo being hunted by Luke's ghost kind of goes to Luke at the end of The Last Jedi telling Kylo, see you around kid, which a lot of people thought was going to be the thing. Again, I don't know how Jedi ghosts communicate with non-Jedi. If there's a way that Kylo could have sensed him or kind of be around it. But we learned throughout this new trilogy a lot of new Force powers. So who knows? Might have worked. Alright, so we keep going. Rey has her double-bladed lightsaber, which is a hybrid of her staff and a broken Luke saber. Rose and BB-8 are on a heist sequence. Poe, Finn, Ray, Rose, and BB-8 still, still a Star Destroyer. <laughs> so let that kind of go through you, flow through you a little bit. So there's a little bit more Rose or a lot more Rose in this script that was in the actual movie that we saw. So I know that's going to be a point of contention for a lot of people saying that this was going to be a better movie. We have Ray's double-bladed saber making an appearance early. I do like that her staff and the hero saber kind of combining to one to her own saber. That would have been pretty cool. And of course, stealing a Star Destroyer. I know they steal stuff from the Empire, but Destroyer, that would have been something. All right, so Chancellor Hux is at Coruscant which now is run down. It's not the vibrant city it was before. There's a force beacon under the Jedi Temple in Coruscant that can be used to send a signal to 50 planets planets, and ask for allies. Force Ghost Luke trains Rey, and Rey is still unsure if she has what it takes to be a Jedi. Excuse me. <coughs> Chancellor Hux, let's start with that. So Hux gets promoted somehow, because he's very good at his job, I guess, to Chancellor. He's at Coruscant now, which would have been good to go back to this main planet, the main capital of the Republic. So it would have been cool to see it now kind of broken down and the First Order kind of taking over. A force beacon under the Jedi Temple, I don't know, sounds kind of, I don't know. I don't see that Jedi building a beacon under their temple to send a signal out, but I guess it's just how it's written. They might be make more sense in the movie. And then here we go that Ghost Luke trains Rey instead of Leia. I did like a lot uh, in the Rise of Skywalker, Leia showing her Jedi training and then training Rey and that quick flashback with Luke training Leia. So well, I do like that. And there's no sense here. So no, doesn't seem to be anywhere that Leia has force abilities or does any training. And Rey is still unsure if she has what it takes to be a Jedi. We kind of goes with her character, not still make trying to make sense of her place in all of this. So we keep going to Kylo throws Vader's mass off a balcony and destroys it for the second time, I guess. 
She already destroyed it in Last Jedi. He destroyed it even more, I guess. Those little pieces weren't enough, or he rebuilt it and then throw it out because he was really angry. I don't know. Maybe he has more than one Vader mask lying around. Goes to Target, gets a few in Halloween, just breaks them. <laughs> All right. Um, Ray and Leia have a moment before Ray leaves. Leia tells her, You're not like my father or my brother. You're new. Whatever happens, remember. The Force chose you, Ray. Your story isn't written by anyone else. And then our main protagonists are divided into two groups. Rose, Finn, R2, and Tripio go on one mission. BB-8, Ray, Poe, and Chewie go on another. Sorry, BB-8 is with Finn and Rose, and then Ray, Poe, and Chewie go on their separate mission. So the big thing here is Ray and Leia having this moment. Even if Leia didn't train Ray in the Force in this script, they do have a great moment here that I think we kind of suffer for not having. Telling Ray, and this goes to what a lot of people wanted, with Ray still being no one, and she makes her own path in this story in her life. So this is a great bit. It's written great, and I would have loved to see this. Remember that Force chose you, which goes to Force Awakens, where she's at Maskinado's castle, and she grabs the saber. Mas tells her, tells her the saber called to you, and then Ray telling her that the Force called to her. I think it's a good through way. It combines all three movies into one storyline and keeps what a lot of people thought was great about Last Jedi about giving Ray her own path, not being kind of assigned power just because she's someone's daughter or niece or granddaughter. Tor Valum, a 7,000 year old alien, spindly, intense, sinewy muscles. He trains Kylo and they have a Dagobah cave-like sequence between Kylo and Vader. They do fight and Vader wins easily. And then Kylo kills Torvalon by taking his essence. So again, here we go with Torvalon, which is supposedly the Sith teacher of Palpatine. He's training, training Kylo. And then... We have this flashback, not flashback, uh, this vision of Kylo kind of in a cave facing Vader. Vader wipes the floor with him. And then I'm guessing Torvalon is telling probably Kylo he doesn't have what it takes. And then Kylo kind of turns on him and kills him. The big thing here is taking someone's essence is kind of the big draw in this movie as the new force power. What we saw in the Rise of Skywalker and also on The Mandalorian was Force Heal. So when they were dying, kind of put their arm, arm, sorry, their hand on them and gave them some of their essence and their life force to bring them back to life. The thing here was Torvalon teaching Kylo to take the essence of that Force life away from people. Which of course, just as Sidious did to Plagueis, Kylo does to Torvalon and uses their own training against them. Uh, then there's a seer that pulls memories out of Ray's mind and they see a star chart. The Knights of Ren show up and they have a lightsaber battle with Ray, who defeats them. And Ray and Kylo eventually get to Mortis. Can you believe this? Mortis making an appearance in the big screen. If you follow Clone Wars, the Mortis arc is probably the best arc, the most complete arc in all in the whole series. 
you have Anakin, Obi-Wan, Ahsoka going to this weird planet, which is the Force planet, kind of the virgins in the Force. Everything is there, the balance. You have the, the son, the daughter, the father. Everything that makes Star Wars weird and great is in Mortis. And a lot of people say this should have been brought into this a little bit early. And this is where it gets to the, oh, it's too inside baseball if you don't follow the the TV shows or books and stuff like that, you wouldn't know what's going on. I imagine my wife or my kids watching this and not knowing anything about Mortis. And you could say that this will draw people away from it or bring more people into it, start asking questions about Mortis, see how excited people around them get. They go back to the Clone Wars, see this, get ready for Clone Wars Season 7. So Mortis would have been would have been something. <laughs> it would have been cool to see that on the big big screen, see how it, it's explained, see if any of those old characters are there. So what we're seeing as of right now with this script is a lot of interconnection between the prequels, the original, and at least Clone Wars TV show. So there was a lot of things going on, kind of getting everything together, which we thought we were going to get with Rise of Skywalker. And we did get, in some sense, they would have just done it in a different way. Uh, so there's um, a big space battle over Coruscant as Leia brings her forces to confront the First Order. There's a space battle, a land battle that's being led by Finn. So very similar to Return of the Jedi, you have space battle, land battle, and then the Force battle, I guess. <laughs> Chewie on an X-Wing. Rey battles Kylo Ren on Mortis. The big reveal is that Kylo Ren killed Rey's parent. Force goes, Luke, Yoda, and Obi-Wan help Rey at the end and try to bring Kylo to the light, but they fail. And Kylo doesn't turn, he's not redeemed, he dies evil. So a lot to chew up here. Like I mentioned, similar to Return of the Jedi, and you can say similar to Rise of Skywalker, you have a space battle with Leia and the Resistance fighting the First Order, you have a ground battle with Finn, and then you have Kylo and Rey, lightsaber duel on Mortis. Great, great stuff, nothing to complain about here. We have loved to see in all of this. Kylo Ren killing Rey's parents, I don't know, that doesn't work for me. Timeline-wise, it doesn't match either. Kylo Ren left Luke and joined Snow and became Kylo Ren six years before his Force Awakens. At this point, uh, Rey's parents are already gone, basically. So this doesn't match up with me, unless they do a retcon, which I'm pretty sure they're not going to do. So that little part doesn't match with me. Force goes Luke, Yoda, and Obi-Wan trying to help Rey would have been cool. Still cannot see that in the Rise of Skywalker with the voice of all the Jedi, so that was fine. And Kylo not being redeemed. So this is what I wanted. I didn't Kylo redeem. I thought he was gone. End of Last Jedi. Rey shuts the Falcon door on him. Luke tries and can't bring him back. Leia kind of says, my son's gone, even though Luke said no one's really gone. But at that point, I said, he's done, he's evil, he's the bad guy. Honestly, that turn in Rise of Skywalker turned me. I love the turn, turn. I love the way that they did it. And I'll talk more about it in our breakdown of Rise of Skywalker when it comes out. But the way it was done with Han Solo, the hand of the face on Kylo's face, it broke me. I was tearing up at the theaters at that 
moment, so I understand not turning him, but the way it was done in the actual movie did get to me. So yeah, that's the breakdown of the first script of episode nine, that duel of the sorry duel of fate of the fates by Colin Trevorrow, and in what can only be called an actual duel of the fates, a disturbance in the force, a dyad in the force, whatever Star Wars pun you wanna make. MakingStarWars.com, Jason Ward dropped a few days later the final Trevorrow script that if true, of all the rumors are true, this might have been the script that got him fired from the project. And you'll see there's a lot less Leia in this one than on the original script we just went through. So I know this episode is starting to be a little bit long, so I'll try to go through this as quickly as possible. Um, Jason over at Making Sour does mention that this is a quick type that he did so there are a few kind of typos on it some things are not finalized but you'll get the idea so the crawl for Trevorrow's and Derek Connolly's final script goes and you'll see why I say it's not final <laughs> the first order is everywhere Ren is on a quest to dig up Asian dark side stuff and something else have been there <laughs> and the Knights of Ren search for Rey. The Resistance plan a secret mission to light the fire of revolution. So the bits are still there, similar to the original crawl in terms of the state of the galaxy, and you can say similar also to the Rise of Skywalker, but it's not as finalized as the original one. So it opens up with a, on a first order space station in Kuat Orbital, which we all know is where a lot of the Empire gets their ships. So it would have been cool to see that actually. BB-8 is on an undercover mission with Rose. Rose has been waiting for them for six weeks. Excuse me. When Finn and Poe finally arrive. She tells them her plan to detonate a chain reaction that will destroy the orbital ring. And the friends decide to escape on a star destroyer. Because Poe can fly anything. So on the first script that we went through. We saw that Rose and BB-8 were on a mission. So this still tracks as the same star destroyer gets stolen <laughs> of course Poe would be the one flying it uh, I don't have it here I think they had a little bit of issues figuring out uh, the knife nine which is a ship belonging to the Knights of Ren we are introduced to the Knights of Ren with names and everything Remnicor which is the first order capital shows up aliens work with Hawks and the first order the aliens talk about how they want the last hope of the Jedi Ray to be killed. And a Darth Maul-like character called Solani Wren, which is a female, shows up. Kylo travels to Moraban to a Sith, Sith temple with ancient statues. Supreme Leader Snoke has him follow a message to find the hologram of Darth Plagueis. Luke shows up as a ghost to tell Kylo that this is the path to an empty hollow tomb, but he doesn't listen. Opening the holocron, red force lightning attacks Kylo and damages and damage spreads across his face. Ooh, there's a lot of stuff here. So first off, we get the Knights of Ren, which we get in all three scripts, the two Colin Trevorrow and the actual movie. Uh, well, we're introduced to them a little bit more. We get their name, which we do get on one of the accompanying books, but not in the movie. Remnicor is a new planet for each other capital, so basically they switch Coruscant for Remnicor here. And 
instead of having what was his name uh, let me find it real quick sorry Torvalon instead of Torvalon being kind of the bad the other bad guy in this movie we get uh, I lost it again Soloni Ren so no Torvalon we get Soloni Ren as a Darth Maul character so this is also cool now instead of going to Mustafar we go to Moraban which we all know about we've seen it in comics we read about it in books we saw it again on Clone Wars and Rebels so Moraban shows up and from what I read I don't have it here is that the holocron that he opens kind of scans his face for Vader and when it's not Vader that's why the force lightning attacks Kylo and kind of damages his face so again we still have the holocron but in a different place and having a different kind of effect on it uh, there's a call back to the base but Leia tells them they're under attack and they lose contact all of the bases are seemingly being attacked and they can't get in contact with anyone Kyle is on the verge of death when a group of Wommels Wommels? I don't know saving and taking to their cave Poe and Finn and Rose and Rey stole a TIE fighter shuttle they arrive on a battle on Corylev and the friends put Leia on the Falcon they blow up the base as they leave and Leia dies after she gives Rey a message. She fades away with the Force. In the cave, Kylo can feel that his mother passed. Um, so yeah, a lot here and you can see now the extent of Leia's involvement in this final script which we know now came was written after Carrie Fisher's untimely death. We can see how Leia's role is diminished, which again I think is one of the main reasons this script wasn't made, because they really couldn't figure out how to get around it. Um, so similar to other what we've read before, the base is under attack. So sorry, this is different from Rise of Skywalker when the most of the First Order, the Final Order, I guess, is hiding out on Exegol. Here they're in every planet, they're attacking everyone and the resistance is trying to make a run for it and that's when they get saved. But I guess Leia still kind of hurt and unfortunately dies before, after giving Rey a message. So we keep going, the Falcon is attacked by the Knights of Ren and they crash land in a frozen ocean of a planet called Wavet. Back at Remnicor. Remnico, yeah, Kylo is in much worse shape than they thought. They're relying on droids to keep him alive, similar to Vader. Purple scars and burns. I think they at one point they put a Mandalorian armor on his face. Solani Renz is that Kylo found a Sith holocron. And he tells she tells Kylo that since he and Rey are both pupils of Luke, he needs to sever this connection to clear his fate to the dark side. Ooh, scary. Kylo gets a new, more savage mask closer to Vader. So, I don't know. One, he breaks Vader's mask again. Here he gets a mask closer to Vader. And then Angry Ray beats up a piece of crash spaceship. When Force goes, Luke talks to her. Luke feels that he is losing her. She believes that she is no one. So the last Jedi is dead, is what Luke kind of says. Ray believes that Kylo is drawn to the light, while Luke believes he can't be redeemed and here we go Rey reveals that Leia asks her to end Kylo's pain Luke gives her a lightsaber before he disappears 
and he says she won't be a Jedi until she faces Kylo, very re reminiscent between Obi-Wan, Yoda and Luke, when Luke says I am a Jedi, and they say eh, not really, you gotta face Vader first, so very similar in that beat, uh, what we can kind of surmise from this is Soloni telling Kylo what he needs to do, kill Rey just to secure his path to the dark side, and then kind of Leia telling Ray to finish Kylo's pain. Basically, what I'm kind of gathering is telling her to kill him, that there's no light left, even though Ray still feel it. So a bit different of the way it went on The Rise of Skywalker. All right, so we're kind of midpoint through the script at this point, and Ray has a new goal. She gets from the Jedi text, she learns of an old ancient form of communication, the Spire of Isis, or the Spire of Isis, which is a sacred chamber to prevent any Sith from using it and only a Jedi may enter. Rey and Kylo have a force connection talk, she feels his light, he's calling for his mother when she died, and he feels Rey's darkness. Finn fights with a trooper whose helmet, com whose helmet comes off and Finn questions him to remember his path his past before he was taken by the First Order. Finn tells him to get a name and find something worth fighting for. So here basically we see still Aspire, a communication waypoint, so instead of going to the Jedi Temple in Coruscant and finding that communication, they go to a new planet and try to find the Spire just so they can communicate with all the other people. And then Finn kind of getting more involved with stormtroopers, trying to kind of, I guess, break their spell that they're being held by the First Order so they can revolt. Then we have Poe and Rey. They get to Adena and meet Nomi, Numi, which is a tiny alien who listens to Rey. Wish to find, uh, who listens to Rey's wish to find a planet. Numi says the Jedi will know the destination and. There the two will meet the dark and the light. In the vision that Rey is having, she will sacrifice herself to Kylo to save the galaxy. Uh, Poe and Rey escape, but I met by the Knights of Ren. Rey fights them and shoots purple lightning from her fingertips, killing one of the Knights of Ren. Uh, I'm gonna stop right here. There's that. <laughs> so... We see this in The Rise of Skywalker when Rey is trying to grab the transport that she believes has Chewie and lightning comes out of her hands blowing up the transport. Here she uses it to kill one of the Knights of Ren. It's funny that they say purple lightning before it was red lightning that attacked Kylo so I guess there's different type of lightning depending on your mood that day kind of like mood rings or something. But yeah, it's cool. Again, we see Rey's power. She kind of tap into the dark side. Uh, Numi, that tiny alien, kind of reminds me of Babu Freak a little bit. But again, a lot of cool stuff here. But it's starting to kind of go off the rails, I think, a little bit. Uh, Rey, made po Rey makes Poe live with Chewie to go help the Resistance. And she kisses him to make him do this. And this is not needed. I know some people saw kind of a spark between Rey and Poe at the end of The Last Jedi. I think this would have been forced. No need to have this here. And Rey needs to stay behind to face Kylo and end this. She now goes full Jedi with the robe. Because if you don't have a robe, you're not a full Jedi. I guess Jedi Knights get the robe. First you get the little braid. If you're a Padawan, then the robe where you're a knight. 
She talks to Forge Luke about her past, and he explains who the Knights of Ren were, that were former students of his, and that Kylo wanted to be Rey's teacher, which he did say at the end of Force Awakens. And Rey is mad because Kylo lied to her. I would be mad about other stuff, all the people he killed, but I guess lying is kind of the straw. Alright, let's just skim through this real quick, find some of the things we should be talking about. Uh, so Finn is told that there are 100 million rustics, which I believe are people hiding out, but could fight and that's what the First Order is afraid of, and Finn inspires the room to rise up and resist. Finn was able to, to help Poe and get in contact with Connex and others from the Dreadnought. Poe tells them that they will fly with 100 pilots and Finn will have a ground game. Rey will get reinforcements once she gets the signal out from the Jedi Spire. So again, we have the three-tier battle, the space battle, ground battle, and the Jedi Force battle between Kylo and Rey. Um, jumping up here. At Remnicor, Finn leads a rat attack of resistance with... Uh, Sorry, Finn leads a ragtag resistance attack with the underground army. And the trooper that Finn had talked to earlier has joined them and now has a name, Rafi. Kylo walks to the spire where Rey is and sees a house and goes inside to find Han Solo who talks to him about how he has everything he needs with his family, telling him he can always go back and his mother loves him. There's a flashback of Han being killed by Kylo. I don't know, it's kind of forced there, I think. And Kylo and Rey have, have a face-off. Rey knows he's in pain and alone. He knows she's mad about her life on Jakku and blames Kylo for killing her family, but he says it was Noke. Rey pulls out her double saber. Soloni sees the holocron and gets a dark power, and it doesn't hurt her like it did with Kylo, so she gets shot with red lightning also but can absorb it. And Kylo believes that if he kills Rey, there will be no Jedi left. He will control the Force. And as they fight, Rey cuts his face and is metallic underneath. Uh, a lot of things here. And more Force battle, lightsaber battle between Kylo and Rey, which would always be cool to see. We got Soloni getting that dark power and now trying to use it against them. So yeah, a lot of battles going on. We saw Chewie again in his X-Wing with BB-8, which I didn't mention before would have been a funny thing to see. I don't think Chewie fits in an X-Wing cockpit, but I'm sure it would have been a funny bit to see him try to fit. Uh, Ren slashes Rey, knocks her down, and leaves her for dead. I mean, come on, dude. He's Star Wars. No one is dead just because you think they're dead. You gotta make sure they're dead. So he just kind of leaves her there, which he did with Luke when he destroyed his temple and you see what happens so I don't know why he would just think she's dead and leave her. <laughs> uh, Ren destroys the Jedi temple when Ghost Luke shows up to reason with him which doesn't work obviously. Rey starts to feel something as Luke does, uh, does a voiceover about how everyone is connected by the force and Finn can sense in Rey a search of hope which is he did feel something in a few scenes in the Rise of Skywalker he kind of tracks that kind of idea going around and this is this is really cool Rey comes back to fight Kylo he calls her no one she disagrees and answers no one is no one 
which is kind of similar to when Luke asks her where she's from. She says nowhere. He Luke kind of says no one is from nowhere. Jakku, yeah, that's pretty much nowhere. So I didn't say here before that Chewie takes Poe to a cabaret club to meet with Lando, but he turns down the offer to help. But then at the end, when Connex is about to retreat, Lando shows up with a thousand ships, which similar to what we saw in the Rise of Skywalker, but instead of being Connex, we had Poe in that leadership leadership position when Lando shows up with all the ships. And Rey has a chance to kill Kylo, but decides against it. At that point, Soloni shows up, grabs Kylo. She's too powerful for Rey to fight off. Rey's beaten down, and there's debris falling. And when, all right, so I'm back. I've got cut off. I think we can only go about an hour before this cuts off. So sorry about that. Again, still learning ab about this process. So let's try to finish this up real quick. Uh, so like I was saying, Soloni shows up, and it's fighting Rey basically. She's too powerful for Rey, so Kylo has to come in and save her. And then Rey gives Kylo half of her double saber, which would have been nice to see both of them fighting with basically the same saber. And Poe, going back to the ground battle, Poe gives Finn a resistance flag when they are reunited, and Finn waves it in a big character beat. So this would have been pretty nice to see, to see Finn's arc kind of realize and completed from the way it started in the Force Awakens as a runaway stormtrooper just trying to get away, then just trying to leave the resistance once he joins them, then just wanted to leave and find Rey so she's safe to now being a leader, rallying up the troops, waving that resistance flag. It would have been a really nice moment for Finn. And then f finishing up the battle with Soloni, Kylo, and Rey. Soloni is about to kill Rey, but Rey kind of sacrifices himself and takes the hit, and then he dies. And Rey, at this point, kind of on a fit of rage, kills Soloni. And as she's dying, uh, sorry, as Kylo Ren is dying, he tells Rey that her actual name is Solana. Rey Solana. And then he dies. So this is the big reveal in the movie. Rey's official name as Rey Solana kind of sight-wise, kind of sounds a little too much like Ray's Loan that we know from the Aftermath book series. It's an Empire general that goes off to the unknown regions to help in the Emperor's contingency plant. So kind of similar sounding name, but not a lot of people know about it. Um, to me, it doesn't have that impact it should. If there's kind of no background to this. If Kylo kind of tells her a little bit more about her parents, why they died, if in reality he killed them or what, or how he knows his name. Maybe this comes up a little bit prior in the movie and then there's a little breakdown or more talk about it, it might have a bigger punch. Uh, Ray Richards expires, she sends out that communication, then as she's dying or she feels that she's dying, Luke tells her that she's not the last Jedi, he will never leave her. And then life returns to her. She still thinks that she's dying. As she kind of starts glowing. But then Yoda tells her that there's no death with the Jedi. But that she's not done. At this point kind of. Her arc is kind of ending. It is similar to the Rise of Skywalker. With all the Jedi kind of calling to her to rise up. Kind of had that similar beat. 
And now kind of ending up everything, Finn is reading a story to a group of young kids and they're asking if Rey is really gone. Finn believes that she's alive because of the Force, which goes again to the connection with the Force that he has, the connection with Rey and kind of feeling that. So that tracks Poe and Chewie are flying together and they find a beacon on a planet. And it's Rey on Wavet planet pulling the Falcon out of the icy water. And the last shot is Ray returning to the Jedi school to teach young kids. I don't know if this is the same group of kids that Finn is talking to, probably. It would have been a good last shot to see Ray kind of reigniting the Jedi Order and teaching the new, the new Jedi the ways of the Force. So that's it. That kind of gives you both scripts, the original one and this final one. Like I mentioned before, you can see the difference in Leia's parts. They kind of decrease a lot in this second or this final script. Again, unfortunate passing of Carrie Fisher kind of had a lot to do with to do with this. Kind of changes the story a lot, and I can see how this last script, which to me is very jumbled, doesn't kind of flow with everything, and why they might have decided to part ways with Colin and get JJ back. The first script, the original script, I did like. There's a lot of cool stuff that ties everything. Going back to the prequels with Kurosand, um, Vader's castle on Mustafar. You have Mori, so it brings out um, the the Clone Wars. There's a lot of things that tie up everything. So you can say all nine movies are tied up. The animated series I brought in. So there's a lot of cool items in that first script. So if I were to pick between those two, the first one is a lot better than this final one. And yeah, this has gone a lot longer than I thought. Like I said, I had to do two recordings. I gotta see if I can mix them just into one. But yeah, thanks a lot guys for joining me in this first adventure of Radio Rebellion, a Star Wars podcast. If you want to reach out, go ahead, go to Twitter at Radio Rebel Pod. If you want to send in those questions for me to answer next week or any topic you want me to deal with, hashtag AskTheRebellion. You can also follow my personal account at TweetsByAC or on Instagram, AlbertoCalderon07. So yeah, thanks a lot and may the force be with you. Radio Rebellion.